Please remain standing. Take your Bible, the copies of the Scripture in your hand, and turn to Isaiah 56, our first Scripture reading. comes from Isaiah 56. Verses 6 and 7. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord, to minister to Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be His servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast my covenant, This I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Amen. My main text this morning will be the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 27. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we now open our hearts and our minds to the hearing of your word, Lord, we ask you to bring heaven down to us through the preaching of your word. O oh Lord, through the preaching of your word, we pray that you would show us this morning how important and valuable Corporate prayer is for the church of Jesus Christ. Convict us through the preaching of your word so that corporate prayer in the life of our church would grow strongly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. My, my dear church family, before I proceed with the preaching of the Word of God this morning, 
I want to say that my family and I are very thankful to the Lord for a very blessed and joyous family vacation and reunion that we had in Nairobi, Kenya. I know you all have been praying for us, and we thank God for the safe return to back to our home, but, but especially to you, our church family. During our time of vacation, we had the opportunity to see my in-laws, to see two siblings of my wife, Bethel. It was a wonderful and blessed reunion. We also saw uh, Kubram's father, who lives in Kenya. He runs a transportation business in Bombasa at the port in Kenya, and he was with us also. We were, we were also able to celebrate uh, Kubram's and Yokabed's uh, first year anniversary in uh, Nairobi. Uh, Kubram's dad missed the wedding, so it was a wonderful opportunity for uh, Kubram's dad to be part of the celebration. Uh, we stayed at uh, Zoram's house. As uh, you can see, Kubram, uh, Zoram is back with us now. Uh, I'm, I'm, everything I see, you know, I, I, I think he's here to make everything even. We stayed at his house the whole time. So he's here with us, and we rejoice uh, for his safe arrival also. Um, now let's come back to the Word of God. After my family and I um, took our time of vacation, I was listening to the sermon that uh, Dr. Bruce from RTS here in Atlanta uh, preached to you all on leading well from the book of Philemon. And I don't know how many of you remember Dr. Bruce's introductory statement to you all. But in his introduction, he commended the OPC, the denomination that we are part of, for its emphasis on corporate prayer. People in the church coming together for the purpose of seeking the face of God in prayer. And as I was listening to Dr. Bruce's commendation of the OPC, us, on how much emphasis we put on corporate prayer, I was challenged by the reality that, um, yes, we, we, we emphasize on corporate prayer often. We emphasize on corporate prayer with great passion. I have told you this before, and I will tell you again. One of my professors at the seminary, Dr. Morton Smith, he used to tell us as students who were preparing for gospel ministry, if you really love the flock of Jesus Christ, if you really love your flock, tell them the truth in love. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you the truth in love. I was challenged by this question. We emphasize on corporate prayer often 
but we don't practice it as we should. That's the truth. We emphasize on corporate prayer, on its importance, but we don't practice it in a way that we see it in the scripture taking place in the life of Christ's church. You see, one of the important and vital lessons that we, uh, we need to learn from the scripture is when God blesses his people, his house where his people gather will be a house of prayer for all nations. That's a promise. That's exactly what God has done for his church. When he wants to bless his church, he makes his church a house of prayer. Corporate prayer is part of our worship. Even this morning, I led you in prayer, in our pastoral prayer. And the expectation from you all is to join me in that prayer and deep in your heart to say, Amen, that's my prayer. Amen, that's my desire. In that way, we corporately pray together. Corporate prayer is the genuine mark of the true church. If corporate prayer is not our mark, if it is not by what we are characterized as Christ's church, then we seriously need to think about corporate prayer in the life of our church. Listen to Isaiah in Isaiah 56. And the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and hold fast my covenant. Listen to this. These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. I'll make them joyful where? In my house of prayer. The house that I have built for my people. The church, the temple in the Old Testament. And the church today where we are now is the house of prayer. It is a house where brothers and sisters in Christ and the one Father come together to express their desire, the desires of the heart to God in the form of prayer, in agreement, in one voice. We cry to God in prayer. We open our mouths and pray. When the pastor leads in prayer, we join him. We don't put it aside. We don't think about something else. But we join him in him praying. We make his prayers our prayers. We agree with him when he prays to God. You see what God is promising to his church. When I want to bless my church. I will make the gathering of my people in the church. The house of prayer. In Psalm 52, Psalm 52 is a messianic um, psalm about the coming of the king. In verse 15, 
The psalmist said, long may he live. That's the Messiah. May gold of Sheba be given to him. May prayer be made for him continually. Blessings invoked for him all the day. When the Messiah comes in the flesh. You see the prophecy of the Old Testament is telling us when the Messiah comes in the flesh, the house of God will be a house of prayer. A house of corporate prayer. The people of God will join their hearts for the purpose of prayer. They will seek their their God in prayer. After Jesus came in the flesh, this was fulfilled in the church. In Acts 2, 12, I read to all of you this morning, and they devoted themselves first to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers, the prayers, plural, many prayers, private prayer, corporate prayer, as part of their worship, but also corporate prayer, uh, prayer meeting, together, as brothers and sisters in Christ, they, they, they were meeting for prayer, seeking God's blessing, seeking God's guidance, Seeking God's boldness and strength, including growth. Now listen to the word devoted. You know, I check it on the dictionary. You know, to devote means to give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person or a cause. That's what to devote means. To devote means, you know, you remind yourself, aha, you know, there will be a corporate prayer time in my church. And I need to dedicate some of my time for that purpose. I need to be part of the corporate prayer of Christ's church. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of the bread to the fellowship of the saints. You know, all these things are happening today in our church. You see the sacrament? That's the breaking of the bread. We'll have the fellowship of the saints after the worship service. We're going to eat together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And we just pray together. There was a corporate prayer in our church this morning. And this coming Wednesday, we will gather as God's children for corporate prayer. That's what the book of Acts is talking about. The apostolic church was characterized by these qualities. And one of them was corporate prayer. They never neglected corporate prayer. In fact, they loved corporate prayer. They devoted their time. They devoted their resources to pray together. Isn't that what we see in the life of our Savior Jesus Christ? He was a man for private prayer. He would lay aside time to seek the face of his father in prayer. So he would go to a private place, solitary place, to pray alone. But he also would call his disciples, gather his his disciples, and they would pray together. What do you see in the life of Christ as an example for you? Both private prayer and corporate prayer. 
He fulfilled both of them in his life, in his ministry. And you see how his father was blessing the work of his son here on earth. As a result of his private and corporate prayer. So this morning, I want to address you, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I do this because as my professor exhorted me, encouraged me. I do this because I love you as the flock of Jesus Christ. And I want to address you about the importance of corporate prayer in the life of our church. First, its importance, and then its nature, and then its power. First, its importance. Why is corporate prayer important? First, I want to bring to your attention some of the objections that you hear from people, even people who claim to be Christians. I'm sure you have heard this objection. I pray privately. I fulfill my prayer duty at, in my house. I pray privately. So that, that should be enough. Why do I need to go to a corporate prayer? I pray privately. Now, you know, one of the Puritans, Thomas Brooks, in reference to that kind of argument, he said this, and I will quote, he is a pious hypocrite who chooses the one and neglects the other one. It's hypocrisy to say, I'm doing it at home. Because both are important. Private prayer is important. Corporate prayer is important. Both are important for the church of Jesus Christ. Both are important for the life of a Christian. It is important because it is commanded in the scripture. You remember the disciples came to Jesus and they said to Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus told them in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, we don't have time, but I will remind you, he told them, first, I want you to avoid hypocrisy when you pray. When you pray, go to your room, shut your door, and just pray to your Father in heaven who sees secretly, and he will reward you. Don't do your prayer for um, show off. Don't be hypocrite in your prayers. Now, some people, they think Jesus was discouraging public prayer, corporate prayer. That's not what he was doing. He was condemning hypocrisy in prayer. But he was encouraging private prayer. Go to your room, uh, close your door, and pray without hypocrisy. But then Jesus said, when you pray, pray saying, Our Father who art in heaven. Our Father. Like as children, under one father. You see, Jesus was telling his disciples, you are God's children. You have a father in heaven. When you pray, pray corporately. Come to your father together in singleness of mind, in one voice, as one family. That's exactly what I feel every Wednesday when I pray together with my brothers and sisters in this church. We pray as one family. We are very few, but we pray together, corporately. 
It's a command. It's important because it's a command. First Timothy 2, 1, 2, 3. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, kings, and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people, including kings and, and magistrates, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. You see, it's a command. It's a command for us to come together for prayer. Every Sunday we have a corporate prayer when I lead in prayer. Every Wednesday we have a corporate prayer. We pray for kings and presidents and you know, leaders of nations. We have a prayer list where we go through that list and, and pray together. We bring specific prayer requests. And together we cry to God for help, for blessing, for guidance, for growth. That's our corporate prayer. That's commanded in the scripture. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Do you pray for that resignation, even this morning, for that resignation to the will of God, for you as one of the sheep to do the will of God when it comes to corporate prayer? It's important because it gets you praying. It gets you praying. You pray for others who are in need. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among you. You see now, it's commanded. It's commanded by God, by the scripture, for us to pray corporately. The apostolic church, the apostolic church's prayer was characterized by that, Acts 2.44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, praying for one another and the growth of God's kingdom. You know, in our common conversation, you know, among one another, when we want to make sure that we are on the same page, when we want to make sure that we are together, we say to one another, are we together in this? Are we together in this? And I say to you, as the congregation of Jesus Christ this morning, are we together in this? Are we together in this? Corporate prayer. Corporate prayer is the appointed time and place for God's blessings. God has appointed that time to bless his people. 
to make his church the house of prayer, but also to, to bestow all his divine blessings upon his church when his church comes together and in one voice pray to the Father. The Father blesses his church. It is important because it gives you the opportunity to encourage others. To encourage others. If you say, I pray privately, I pray at home. Now let me ask you, how do you think your brothers and sisters in Christ Church know that you are praying for them? In corporate prayer, you will mention their name. You will be in tears on their behalf and they will see it. They are there listening to you, mentioning their names. Then, then what happens? They are encouraged. They are encouraged by your prayers. Corporate prayer gives you that opportunity to encourage others who are in need. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. As just as you are doing when you pray. How do we encourage one another? One of the ways that we encourage one another is by praying for one another. In the presence of one another. In corporate prayer, we remind, we remind our brothers and sisters that God will, will never forsake them. When, when, when we pray, they, they will be assured that the love of God is with them. God will never forsake them. That Jesus will sympathize with their weaknesses. Because you see, when we pray, we pray according to the word of God. We pray the scripture. We pray according to the promises of God in the scripture. And our brothers and sisters hear that when we pray for them. Do you see how powerful corporate prayer is? How important corporate prayer is? And what the church would miss when we neglect corporate prayer. What you would miss when you neglect corporate prayer. The apostolic church was known by corporate prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And then it's nature, how it is done. It is done with singleness of mind. The apostles were arrested and then they released them. In Acts chapter 4, listen to what happened. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said... They, they lifted up their voices together to God. That was, the, that was the corporate prayer. You know, they didn't curse their enemies. They didn't go to the authorities and accuse their, 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 their persecutors. You know, the first thing they did was they lifted up their voice together in act, in, with one single mind, in, in the singleness of mind. You see, one of the natures of corporate prayer is we pray in singleness of mind. We agree on what we pray. We express the desires of our heart to God in prayer in agreement. Not only that, it's amazing 
to see for us that their prayers, that corporate prayer, was informed by the word of God. Do you know that? They were praying the scripture. They were praying, understanding the scripture. How do we, how do we know that? In, in chapter 4, the book of Acts, uh, verse uh, 24. First, listen to this. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard it, they lifted up their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. You see what's happening? They acknowledged God's sovereignty over all things. Their corporate prayer was informed by the scripture, Psalm 2. Their corporate prayer was informed by what Peter preached to them in, 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 in Acts 4. In Acts 2, where Peter said, Men of Israel, hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man arrested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I may not be shaken. You see, they, their prayer, corporate prayer, was informed by what Peter preached to them. By the preaching of the word of God. And I want to remind all of us, you see, when we pray corporately, we need to acknowledge God as sovereign God over all things, even over the life of our church. What you see now among you is the work of the sovereign God. And this should never be despised. And we don't need, we don't need to be discouraged by it when we pray. We need to be joyful in the presence of of our Heavenly Father, to whom we pray. We say to Him, thank you for this, and do more among us. We don't say, what is this? I don't like this. I'm discouraged by this. No, He's sovereign. He knows what He's doing. He builds His church the way He wants to build His church. Not according to our plan, our method, but according to His will. He's sovereign. He's sovereign. We can be miserable, church, if we act against His will and if we forget that He's sovereign when we pray corporately. That's what they did. They acknowledged His sovereignty over them. 
over the church, over the world, everything around them. The nature of corporate prayer, it is done without anger and quarreling. Listen to Paul in 1 Timothy 2.8. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Corporate prayer of Christ church is led by men appointed for gospel ministry, the shepherds of Christ church. Others, of course, can join them in praying. But, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, people think if everyone in corporate prayer doesn't pray, it's not corporate prayer. That's wrong. That's wrong. Everyone is encouraged to pray. But for a corporate prayer to be a corporate prayer, it is not must for everyone to pray. What is required is singleness of mind. We need to agree on what we pray. We need to acknowledge that God is sovereign. And we need to pray with lifting holy hands. This is for leaders, for those who lead corporate prayer in Christ's church. When we lead corporate prayer in Christ's church, we need to confess our sins before God. All of us, but especially those who lead in corporate prayer. They should lift up their hands with holy hands. So we need to confess our sins. We need to take sin seriously before we approach God corporately in prayer. Psalm 6, 6, 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. See? Not only that, Men, listen to this, men who are married. Listen to this. 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. See? See? If you abuse your wife, if you neglect your wife, if you insult your wife, and then you take her hands and say, honey, let's pray together, God is not going to hear your prayers. He's not going to hear your prayers. And you come to corporate prayer of Christ church with that attitude, you will be a hindrance to the corporate prayer of Christ church. So what is needed? Confession. We should confess our sins before we approach the presence of our Heavenly Father. Listen, God is gracious. God is able to bless His church without us praying. He's loving, He's gracious. But the appointed means for the Father, for God to bless His church with every spiritual blessing is corporate prayer in this way, in this manner. Lastly, it's power. It's power. Listen to Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, you see, they prayed. 
corporately. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness when they prayed together. Corporately, God blessed them with boldness. I told you, corporate place is the appointed place and time for God's blessing with boldness. For God's divine blessing with intervention. Peter was arrested. You know, James was killed. Peter was arrested. In the book of Acts chapter 12, we see the whole church coming together praying for the release of Peter. And as they were praying, the angel of the Lord came to the prison, opened the gate and took Peter out of the prison and brought him to the place where they were praying. A young girl opened the door. She was confused when she saw Peter. She thought it was a ghost. And she shut the door. And she runs to the others. I think Peter is outside. And then they said, you must be out of your mind. We just prayed. No, God answered it. They prayed corporately. And Peter was there. When they opened, they saw Peter. You see, it's, it's, it's the resources of the church. Corporate prayer is the resources of the church for divine intervention. Not only that, corporate prayer is also a means of blessing for church grows. For church grows. Listen to what happened when they prayed corporately in Acts 2. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You and I, we always talk, you know. We have this desire as members of this local church to see our church growing. To see sinners being converted and become part of our worship. My question to all of us, including myself, are we praying corporately for that to happen? Are we praying for that to take place? For that to become our blessing? There was an older woman back home a long time ago. Very godly woman. In her neighborhood, there were a couple of houses. One was known as the doctor's house because a medical doctor owned the house. So people would call it the doctor's house. There was a teacher in the neighborhood. His house was known as the teacher's house. There was a a well-known farmer in the neighborhood. His house was known as the farmer's house. So one young Christian met this older woman one time And he asked her, so that house is known as the doctor's house, the teacher's house, the farmer's house. What about your house? How do people talk about your house? This older woman, her house was a house of prayer on a weekly basis for the church where she was a member. And she told the young man, my son, my house is known as the house of prayer. The doctor's house, the farmer's house, the teacher's house, the house of prayer, corporate prayer. 
Is that what you want to see about your local church? That church is the house of prayer. The house of prayer. Dr. Bruce commended us for emphasis on corporate prayer. But his sermon left me with this challenge. That's why I'm preaching this sermon this morning. What about our practice, brothers and sisters in Christ? What about our practice? That matters. Not emphasis. Practice matters. Jesus practiced it. The apostolic church practiced it. They lived in it. They did it. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the preaching of the word of God. Then their prayers were informed by the preaching of the word of God. But they were there in the church when the church gathers for corporate prayer. So I want to encourage all of you. You know, the elders understand your circumstances. We know some of you are very busy in the weekdays. We know some of you, you cannot come to Wednesday prayer meeting. We know that. This is not to condemn anyone, but this is to encourage the whole church to think seriously about corporate prayer. And your elders has come up with a plan for the whole church. If you can't come to Wednesday prayer meeting, we're going to start praying together once in a month on a Sunday before the evening worship service. And our first corporate prayer as the church will start on August 27 at 5.15. This is the application. August 15, as 27, sorry, at 5.15, we all will meet here for corporate prayer. If you can't come to Wednesday, come to that Sunday for corporate prayer. And we'll have the prayer list with us. We'll pray specific prayers. We'll pray for growth, for guidance. We will be like the Apostolic Church. And I want to encourage all of you to prepare yourself to be part of that corporate prayer. Remember, when Jesus saved us, he enrolled us in his kingdom as soldiers. And soldiers are supposed not to neglect their duty. And one of our duties as soldiers of Christ is prayer. That's our mark. So don't neglect your mark. Put that on your calendar. Plan to be there. We'll pray corporately as the church. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the instruction of your word. Yes, Lord. We need your help. This is one of the areas where every one of us struggle. But now we ask you to strengthen us by the Holy Spirit. To take corporate prayer in the life of our church seriously to plan to be there for corporate prayer, to pray together in one voice, in one agreement, to seek your face and to seek your blessings. Lord, bless this sermon in the hearts and the minds of each and every one of us. Help us to share it with others who are not here today. 
so that the whole church will be ready for corporate prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.